Hey everybody, it's Mike, and we're back with a new episode! A new episode of Working It Out. I'm so excited. Uh, if you don't have tickets already for uh, for the Worldwide Comedy Pizza Party Encore this Friday and Saturday, by all means, do it 100% jokes about pizza, some of which I work on with Joe Firestone on the episode today. Uh, tickets at Verbigs.com. But today we got Joe Firestone, one of the funniest people on the planet. You might recognize her. She she plays a little role in Don't Think Twice, if you saw that. Um, she's one of the improv students uh, uh, in, in Gillian Jacobs' class, along with Gary Richardson and Josh Rabinowitz and Connor Ratliff. Uh, she's been on Search Party and Broad City and The Tonight Show and... Uh, John Glazer loves gear and just and Joe Parra talks with you tons of stuff she's one of these people if you google image her you go oh yeah yeah of course of course I know who that is she has her own half hour special on Comedy Central she is an absolute riot she's one of the funniest people I have ever encountered and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Joe Firestone One of the rituals that I was when I was researching you is you said you do three, three pages of morning pages in the morning, mm-hmm. as a and I was so impressed by that I was like, I mean I don't know I mean I do morning pages I think this will be interesting for, for our creative listeners who are writers and creators, um, and a lot of people have this concept of uh, morning pages and uh, which is goes to back to I think it goes. The first reference I had to it was uh, the artist's way. Yeah, but then, so the thing about the artist's way, I think it probably works, but that I always get to the section where they're like, take yourself out on an artistic date. And that's always <laughs> when I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> but I don't remember that part. Take yourself out on an artistic date. Uh, it's like, take yourself to the museum. Take yourself, And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go on a date with myself. This sounds bad, but I, I do find that with morning pages, I think I'm doing it wrong because it is not funny at all. None of it's funny. It's all, oh. and I, I wish I could burn all of these journals. They're all like emotional spewing. It's just, it's just so terrible. I think about that all the time with my free writing is like, is like, wow, like almost none of this works. But then, you know what, I every once in a while I'll read back through it and I'll just circle like a sentence here or a, or a couple sentences there. And I'm like, actually, that's pretty good. Because like, cause the, the, the book, the new one, which you saw as a, as, as a show, the new one on Broadway, uh, a lot of that was from free writing morning pages. Whoa. And it was, and it was yeah, and it was like stuff where I'm like, well, I'm never going to tell anyone this. It's way too depressing. <laughs> And then, uh, and then I sort of figured out, like, if I cherry pick this and this and this and this, it actually leads to something that is funny, but also kind of like, uh, like, I don't know, kind of painfully honest to me. Well, that's the thing is like, I feel like as it's like, there's this really fine line where it's like, you want to get in touch with these feelings and these like terrible parts of yourself that other people can relate to and like that other people can connect to. And it's like, oh, I also get irrationally angry at that. But then the the real fear is that you say something like that. And then it turns out that you're like a freaking toad and nobody else feels that way. And then you're like, 
oh, I am alone. Do you know what Wait, I mean? Wait, did you say toad like T-O-A-D? Yeah. Like, what do you mean you're a toad? <laughs> like, you're just like this little <laughs> reptile, and it's like nobody else thinks like that. And that's the real fear, where you're like, I get so angry at my blender. And then it's like, and then people are like, we don't get angry at our blender. Oh, yes. No, no. And that's whenever people like don't like the new one book or the new one show, it's really almost impossible for me to not take it personally. Because yeah. I'm like, you basically read, you yeah. read, you basically read my diary and were like, I don't like you. Yes. No, that's the, that's the thing. I remember I once, I was, I went to LA for like one of the first times for my like, you know, in show business. Like I'd been to LA before, but I'd never been for show business. And I was like on one of my first shows in LA and I tried a new joke about, um, uh, it was so embarrassing. It was a joke. Uh, I thought it was really relatable. It was a joke about staining underpants. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the audience, I said the joke about staining underpants. It should be I, very relatable. Should, I mean, people because stain. Human things. beings stain underpants all the time. But people, they, everybody. People are staining underpants <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> that's, I don't know if that's true in LA. I don't think anyone stains their underpants in right, LA. Right, right. That's the problem. That's the problem. Oh, God. It is a really stainless, it's a stainless steel environment. And it's like the audience <laughs> went, they go, aw. And I was like, I am alone. I'm alone and disgusting. Oh my and it was like God. this it 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 makes you afraid to really go into that. I don't think that people always understand this aspect of stand-up comedy, which is that it's one of the only art forms. And I can't even think of like an when I say one of, I might mean the only, but I don't know for sure. Uh-huh. I'm hedging, I'm hedging a little bit. <laughs> But it's one of the only art forms where you actually need the audience to tell you whether or not what you're saying makes any sense. Yeah. You put something in front of people. I soiled my underpants. Uh, I stained my underpants. And if they give you feedback that indicates that they have too, you know you're on to something. If you say, I stained my underpants, and and they give you nothing, you go, well... I guess that's not going to be in my comedy show anymore. Oh, no. I mean, that's the greatest thing, though. The greatest thing ever is when you say something that you really feel and other people feel it, too. And it's like, that's what's so great about, like, the, like, riffing and stuff. When it's like you really pinpoint what the audience is feeling in that moment. It's not even prepared. But it's like this thing. Like, I think I I remember maybe the greatest show of my whole life. And it, it was like this show where literally every comedian that went up before me announced that they had gotten engaged. I'm not joking. Oh my gosh. Every single comedian was like, I just got engaged. And so then, um, so I was like, uh, like, and this is a thing, you know, I, I do desperately, desperately want to get engaged. It's never going to happen for me. But I like wow. really want to be. You heard it here. You I know, heard it here, I want to be married so bad. I want to be married so bad it's so stupid what a goal but i was like i just remember are you are you serious you really want to be married i think that'd be awesome <laughs> uh, yeah i just remember like getting up on stage and i had material but i just kind of for, like just threw it out the window and was just kept talking about being like how everyone's engaged and that was like the most i've ever connected to an audience cuz i was just like listening and like kind of 
just honestly reacting, which is not something that I think you get used to when you're just doing the same material over and over again. Were you mad? Yeah, I was mad. I don't, I mean, yeah. to, okay, comedians are the worst people on earth. And when you find out that the five people that went ahead of you all got engaged, and they're yes. all comedians, nasty, yeah. nasty people. Yeah. To, I mean, it really makes you think about how nasty you are. You got to be the nastiest <laughs> <Right>. one. <laughs> Right. Like, they should be unlovable. Yeah. But it's, and <laughs> if they're unlovable and they got loved, then I'm triple unlovable. Yeah, what the hell's going on here? This is really not a good look. You know, I'm, and I keep getting older. You know, that's the, one of the things. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I don't think you don't age, Joe Firestone. I, I do, I've been aging. <laughs> I uh I feel like I feel my aging every day like by the minute literally <laughs> like I look at my watch and go 11 a.m. already <laughs> I know. I'm doing this thing by the time this airs it'll already have happened but uh, it's called Worldwide Comedy Pizza Party and it's like a virtual show <laughs> where it's 100% pizza jokes. <laughs> and I feel like we're kindred spirits about food and pizza to some degree because I know that at your festival in Brooklyn, you got pizza for everyone in the audience? You got like 30 pizzas for everyone? Is that true? So basically, I tried to do that festival. I'd never done a festival before. And I was like... It was called the Firestone Fest. Yeah, and I like just got this empty garage or car wash and put on, like, just put on a day's worth of shows. But basically, they were like, the what? tickets. Can you repeat that? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, they were like, they were like, you, um, like, they, like, the day of, they were, or like the night before, they were like, you only have 70 ticket sales. You want to cancel. Oh, okay. Wow. And I was like, no, I don't want to cancel. I think that there will be, and I didn't have any, like, really huge name. It wasn't, like, a huge festival. It was just, like, this dumb idea that kind of got blown out of proportion. But I remember they were like, you can, you should cancel. And I was like, but we can't. And they're like, well, we're not going to do drinks then. And I was like, but we have to do drinks. That's the only reason people will stay all day. Oh, wow. And so then I was like. Wait, did you say it was at a car wash? It was at a car wash. Yeah. Do you think that that had anything to do with the low ticket sales? It's possible. There's a lot of possible reasons. <laughs> but so, so then I was like, I was like, they were like, okay, so you have to give us a check for $3,500. No. And if you, if we don't get the ticket sales, then we'll just cash the check. That's the oh only gosh. way it's worth it to us. By the, by the way, this sounds a lot like, this is called the Firestone Fest. I think you should spell it F-Y-R-E. <laughs> I know it felt like it. It was a, it was a precursor <laughs> to that. But so I was like, I don't have thirty five hundred dollars. I didn't yeah. have it, and so I wrote of the course. check, knowing I didn't have this money, knowing that I would be bounced a check by the end of the day. Oh my god! And I was like, oh god, oh god! And so I did the first the first event of the day was um, some of these. Uh, it was at eight a.m. and. Uh, and they just drove into the park, the car wash, and did an Italian comedy hour, and then drove out. And there were only three people there for it. 
When you say an Italian comedy hour, what do you mean by that? I, you know, I wish I could tell you more, but I think that it was, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was just like, this is so weird. Nobody's here. It was really, really bad. And I was like, this is going to be a fucking disaster. I'm going to lose all this money. I'm going to be broke. Like, and so then basically somehow, some way around, like there was two hours, nobody came. Okay. And then at 11 a.m., People started Wait, coming. It started at 9 a.m.? Yeah. No, it started at 8 a.m. Okay. And so then it was going to go from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. And this is madness. It was terrible. Nobody, I, I needed a lot of mentors and I didn't have any. And so I was like, I just, uh, I just started, um, like, I was just like panicked, but I was like, what can you do? What can you do? And so at 11 a.m., somehow, people started showing up yeah, and they brought their friends and they brought their friends. And before I knew it, the place was packed. It's like, it's like the old fable rock soup. It was like that soup thing. Okay. And so people started coming and more people came and everybody was hanging out and it was like this beautiful thing. My friend was doing tarot cards. She had a list of 20 people ready to do tarot cards. Like it was like this whole thing and it blew up and it was like this amazing thing and everybody was wasted because oh everybody gosh. was buying drinks and there was no food because I didn't think about food. And that's when Marianne <laughs> and Chris were like, people need food. And oh so they gosh, ordered yes. 30 pizzas and it was like this huge party and I oh couldn't believe gosh. it. And then I ended up making $600. <laughs> So everybody got $7 over Venmo, and I was like, whew, okay. I want to ask you about this special that you made because I love it, which is the cookie special. It's it's on Adult Swim. It's on YouTube. It's called Rate the Cookie. And, like, you have people rating all different cookies outside of a grocery store, and they're complete strangers. And then the funniest part, I hope I'm not giving away too much, but I feel like even if you know this going in, it's still enjoyable, which is you give people the option at the end of the co- their cookie ratings to be friends with you, Joe Firestone, or get $50 cash. And a majority shows the $50 cash. Mm-hmm. However, a handful of people went with the friendship. Mm-hmm. And you gave them your phone number. I saw it on camera. One of the people called you. I mean, like... I'm just like, at what point with these bits do you have too many friends? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, uh, I, I really, you know, uh, the one guy that I gave my number to, he, um, he called me, like, one time he called me and he was like, what's that, when is that thing coming out? And I was like, it's coming out, yeah. like, in a few months. And he's like, okay, okay. And he's like, what is, what's Adult Swim? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, it's part of the Cartoon Network. And he called me and he's like going on and on. And then he goes, I got to go. I'm in a deli. Oh my God. I was like, okay. I feel like Sasha Baron Cohen is not having these conversations with his, uh, <laughs> his fellow actors. <laughs> yeah. That's madness. I mean, yeah, that, I definitely ended up, um, yeah, giving my number away to I I think I probably shouldn't have given my real number. That's a lesson I learned. Stepping away from my conversation with Joe Firestone to send a shout out to Truff Hot Sauce. 
truff hot sauce is a big part of the Birbiglia family. <laughs> we had our first like family outing uh, this week for Easter. It was like an outdoor distanced barbecue, chicken on the grill, hard boiled Easter eggs, shrimp cocktail that my brother Joe does not leave home without, and truff hot sauce right alongside all these foods every step of the way, making all the foods taste better. It's a uh, it's a first of its kind luxury hot sauce with a unique blend of real black truffles, red chili peppers, agave nectar, and delicate spices that pairs well with anything, basically any, any food. Truff has been named on Oprah's favorite things, gifting list two years in a row. It is made locally in Southern California. Right now, you can get 15% off site-wide when you use promo code BURBIGS at truff.com. That's T-R-U-F-F dot com. Promo code BURBIGS. And now, back to the show. This is a thing we do in the show called The Slow Round, which is uh, just like memories and things like that. Do you remember a smell from childhood? Um... Yeah, yeah. I used to um, spend a lot of you know time. I remember I used to um, chew uh, bubble gum and mm-hmm. um, like I think it was strawberry bubble gum. Oh, love and then it. I used to uh, take you know the bubblelicious wrapper. It, I don't know if it still does, but I used to say bubblelicious over and over again. <laughs> sure, sure. And so I used to stay in the pantry and uh, read it like I was reading some kind of scroll. What does that mean? Is Some this, kind of scroll. Is this relatable? Um, it just- <laughs> I mean, I the moment you said bubble gum and then you said strawberry, I can taste it mm-hmm. and I can smell it. Mm-hmm. The taste is like very sugary, mm-hmm. and and it could essentially be any flavor. Mm-hmm. The smell, I think, is more like almost like a like a light sugar smell. Like mm-hmm. a, I don't need, I can't even put my finger on what that smell is. Actually, do you know? Um, I've never like I've never put any brands on blast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you done that with your power? I don't think I have. It's possible. Well, so I'm not trying to put any brands on blast, but so one of the best oatmeal flavors of all time, strawberry and cream. Mm. They changed their recipe. Oh, huge pet peeve of mine. But it tasted like medicine. Okay, they ruined mm. it. And wow. I, I like I went on Reddit and people were putting them on blast so hard. Wow. wow! I called Quaker Oats. I think it's a real. So what happened when you called them? They hung up on me. Like literally, a human being hung up on you. Yeah, I was like, I want to talk to somebody because they changed the recipe. I don't get what I don't get what happened. And they're like, we're you trying were- to make it more organic, and I was like, Oh my gosh, really? I was like, Well, it it tastes really bad. It tastes really wow. bad. And they're like, hold on, let me connect you with someone who can help you. And then they hung up on me. Do you, did you record that? The conversation? Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to end so badly. I thought it was gonna have a, I was going to have a good conversation. I never called Quaker Oats before. And you'd think that Look, they were nice. Since we don't have the audio, I'll just do, I'll do an act out. I'll be like, um, hi, uh, this is Quaker Oats. Hey, Melanie, um, I wanted to tell you that uh, the oatmeal that I just bought is really bad. Strawberries and cream. What happened? Oh, okay. Well, we're just (laughs) working on a new organic recipe, and I think that you're going to be a lot happier 
because it's going to have a lot less preservatives and chemicals. Do you think, Melanie, if I bought a, a product called Instant Oatmeal Strawberries and Cream, do you think I'm interested in organics? We at Quaker Oats strive <laughs> to have you experience the most authentic oatmeal experience. So I'm going to transfer you <laughs> to the authentic oatmeal department. Connecting. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Done. Hello? <laughs> this is the authentic department. Department? Who's this? This is, this is Scott. <laughs> Scott? Why? <laughs> no, we don't have to finish this. We don't have to. I really like Scott. I, I was really interested in Scott. I just needed Scott's voice to be d different from Melanie's voice. I mean, Scott definitely seemed, I mean, Scott seemed like the kind of, kind of guy, I'd go, you know, I'd take a walk with. Are you, you, in one of your comedy specials recently, you said you were living with someone. Are you still living with someone? Yeah. Yeah, I am. How's that going in the pandemic? Well, I'm not there right now, but um, yeah, for uh, I was loving it. I was like, I love spending time with you. I don't feel like we talk enough. Mm. I think we should talk more. And yes. he was like, this apartment is too small. I, can't, oh, wow. I don't want to talk to you anymore. He was at odds with your opinion. Yeah, but I really was like, this is great. We're so compatible. And he was like, that is right. actually not true. <laughs> right, right. Do you so like that, being with your daughter and, and wife? I do. I think it's, um, I think it's complex because Jen and I, Jen's a poet and she loves solitude. <laughs> and I'm a comedian and I love performing in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> and Una's five. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, no descriptors, no act, no no anything. Um, she's on she's on here. That's her personality. She's on virtual school every day. And um, I just think it's very challenging in terms of uh, what you know we thrive on is not available to us in this time. I, we have a dog, and so the dog is like a big – that's a big connector. Yeah. But like um, he uh, recently my boyfriend said to me, he's like, I used don't, to – By the way, please don't compare your dog to my child. <laughs> and my dog it's, was actually uh, again, six. <laughs> so that's, that's his personality. Um, uh, excuse me, Joe Firestone. <laughs> We're just going to – I'm going to cut in here and just uh, totally offline. I just want to say like – Whatever you do in this interview, please do not compare your dog to Mike's. No, no, no. I get it. I get it. Your, you know, your daughter is human. My dog shits outside. There's a few differences, but you know, my dog well, wears you know, a leash. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Differences. That that's literally one of my jokes from the pandemic. Is that like people with kids and people without kids are having a completely different <laughs> experience? Like people with kids are like this is a national emergency and people without kids are like, I'm bored. I'm like, I haven't been bored since the 80s. Like, enough with your bored talk. <laughs> Do you have a memory on a loop from your childhood that you just think about sometimes? And it's not even a story. It's just like a memory. Uh, I, re I really liked, like, um, putting on plays with my neighbors. 
Like mm. I would get my neighbors to come over and they would, I would make them do plays. I used to do something like that too, yeah. And um, they were younger. And um, then I remember like in one week, the, it was a girl, an older girl and a younger boy. And the older girl um, walked in on my dad in the bathroom. And oh. then the younger boy got got stuck in the garage, and then that we didn't really play as much anymore. Wait a minute, let's 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 unpack that. That which part is the memory? <laughs> You're telling me you used to make these plays, and then. Uh, one of the kids walked in on your dad in the bathroom and then another one got stuck in the garage and then you didn't have plays anymore. That's like a classic Broadway tale. That's how, that's how, you know, that's why Cats closed. I was thinking about Cats the other day. Do you think the actors know what the story is? (laughs) I was was like trying to think so hard about this. Um, it's like I don't. I think they must have a story that they yes that they work with. Yeah, Grisabella goes out, gives her heart into this performance of the memory yeah. song. She's. Do you think she knows, or she's just they're just like ring it out, ring it out as hard as you can. I think that uh, if you're in Cats, it's been your dream to perform Cats all all your life, or perform in a musical on Broadway. Let's say. Mm-hmm. And I think that you find a story within it because mm. you you want to. I guess. Okay. I think that's the idea. That helps because uh, I watched the movie, you know, and not when it was free. Okay? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You paid for it. I paid for it, and I really was trying my hardest to make sense of it because I was like, that you know, this is there's got to be something here. Yeah. Um. Do you remember a point in your life where? you were not authentically yourself. Like growing up, do you have a phase where you're like, oh my gosh, I was so like pretending to be a thing? Uh, I had a back brace for a while. And um, (laughs) I don't know, it's like basically the way it's built is it goes right, the way it went right under uh, my boobs and then right like above my vagina and then it was like, there was a little sliver where all the rest of my fat could pop out. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> so it was like kind of like this like sailor's dream of a situation because it was like all of my fat got squeezed out to my genitals and my uh and just one side part. You know, so it's just terribly like, painful. It was it was really unattractive. But I remember thinking I remember I wore a lot of big clothing at that time. And <laughs> yes. I remember uh there was uh I was just always afraid someone was going to throw something at me because if they threw something at me, it was going to bounce back. You understand? Uh, oh, okay. Because like, it was, I was wearing plastic. And I remember one time someone did throw a penny at me and it bounced back. And, so, and somebody thought, what is going on? Oh, my gosh. So you're telling me that the back brace had an elasticity that allowed it to bounce back solid objects if you threw them at them? Yeah, it was like firm plastic. Okay. And, um, and then so I... So it was like you were, you were like a plastic wall yeah. in that part of your body. Yeah, yeah. And so then okay. I remember one time someone was like, 
they really, they knew something was hard about my body, but they didn't know <laughs> what it was. And I, I remember one time they were like, they really wanted me to play Red Rover. Okay. Um, because of my hard body. Are you serious? Like they were taunting you by asking you to play Red Rover? Yeah, they with thought your, I, and I never get brace? picked first. I never get picked first, but I was picked in the first, you know, first heat. And this is a horror movie. And I remember thinking, they just want me because I can stampede through these hands. This is soft this is flesh. Just crazy. This is just crazy. And I remember just thinking, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't like this. Was there a group that, like, in that middle school, high school area, where there a group that you wanted to be a part of that wouldn't let you in? Um, no, I was pretty aware of the fact that I was um, that it was I was. Um, what would you call the word like dweeby? You know, I, <laughs> okay. I, I was I was pretty aware of that fact, and so yeah. I kind of came to terms with it pretty quickly. You know, and you surround yourself with people that accept dweebs, and that is it's important right. to do. But uh, it's yeah, I I recently came to terms with it again because I think in comedy it does feel like kind of important to be cool. Yeah, at least. It, and I just recently came to terms with it again. It, it took a while, and I'm really too old for this, but I recently came to terms with the fact that I'm still d- dweeb. Oh, that's fascinating. I think of you as very cool. Dweeb. It's dweeb. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like that? You feel like you should be cool? I think that cool I, – I actually have a lot of strong feelings about cool being the enemy of comedy. Really? I think the moment that you attempt to be cool as a comedian, you're actually sacrificing the comedy. Because the comedy is actually all about being a dweeb and being vulnerable and being showing your flaws and like putting your heart in your sleeve. And the moment you're like, hey, I'm, I look cool in this poster or whatever the heck, like you're kind of like, ah, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here. Well, that, I remember there was like for the promos for this special they were like okay the fan is going to be blowing you need to walk towards the fan as hot as you can wow and i was like is there any other way to do this oh my gosh and they were like no. they were like no you have to do it just try to look as hot as possible no and i was like no okay <laughs> okay i'll try my best but it, it really was like this is not a direction I feel comfortable going in, but if everyone else is going in this direction, it feels like you kind of, (laughs) (laughs) it's horrible. (laughs) Oh gosh. No, I really do think that every comedian I look at who, who is quote unquote cool. I'm, I'm like, well, I don't know. It's just not my, I don't know. I I wish I had a more concise take on this because it's like, like for me, like my favorite, one of my favorite comedians is like Maria Bamford. Mm-hmm. And it's like Maria Bamford never tries to be cool. She tries to like tell you like the most absurd thing about herself yeah. that is like will essentially like run the risk of making you not like her. Like I, those are the comedians I admire where they're actually running. The, it's a magic trick. They're running the risk of the audience being like, I'm out on this person. Well, yeah, she just posted a clip I thought was so funny, which was basically like, she's like, yeah, people are always asking me what I'm working on, what's next, what's going on, what projects do I have going on? And this is paraphrasing, but she's like, and I'm done. 
I don't want <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. She came on this podcast and we, you know, she talked about her mental health issues and suicidal thoughts and all these things that are really deep and vulnerable. And I have to say, like, we've gotten more letters in a positive sense about that episode than I think almost anyone because people because what we were talking about earlier, people who relate and they feel seen by you opening up as a comedian and saying a thing that's vulnerable about yourself. That's where it's at. And mm -hmm. then there's like there's going to be a ton of Internet stuff. Whenever you do that, there's a ton of Internet stuff where people are like, I hate this person. I think that they have faults. And you're like, no, no, I know. That's the whole thing. They just told you what their faults were. Right. It's like right. they're like they have flaws. <laughs> right. And you're like, no, 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 the whole thing is flaws. They're humorous observations about their own flaws. Right. And you think you discovered that? <laughs> you think you're like the de the comedy detective like I've cracked the case of the comedian who has flaws. Yeah. No, it it does feel like this thing where you like it's almost like the trick has succeeded if they think they discovered it. Yeah, I think that, it's sure. I think that's true. It's almost where it's, it's worked too well. Because mm -hmm. I think like the thing, I think ultimately like I think the, the greatest version of comedy is like when you see like someone like Tig talking about having cancer or, or Bamford talking about uh, struggling with mental health and you just feel like, or you talking about, uh, you know, uh, underpants that are, that are, uh, mm -hmm. I, I forgot what the term was. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, underpants being, uh, tainted in some way. Yeah, tainted. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> but that's the moment where you go, oh, thank God that's not just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that for me that's and it is it's the process of having that experience and laughing at the same time. For me that's that's A plus. Yeah. That's what I'm into. Yeah. Yeah, it is it I it does feel like you have to convey it in a way that doesn't seem vulnerable for you. Like I think that's the thing that's like that dumb equation tragedy plus or whatever. But it's like Comedy is tragedy plus time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that course. one, that mathematical quadratic, you know. So, <laughs> but it does this thing where you have to feel, you have to convey that you're comfortable with it. Yeah, Seth and I, my director and I, dealt with that when when I did Sleepwalk with me, where I, you know, sleepwalk through a second story window, and I, I have to sort of get the audience comfortable with the idea that I'm okay now, mm -hmm. kind of thing, which you know, <laughs> we aren't always okay now. Stepping away from my conversation with Joe Firestone to send a shout out to a new sponsor, Green Chef. I don't know about you. One thing I've been trying to do during the pandemic is eat healthier. It's it's working. It's working pretty well. Uh, but it's definitely assisted by Green Chef, which is a new uh, kind of meal kit company. People call it the number one meal kit for eating well. Uh, they have meals for keto and paleo diets, balanced living, vegetarian options. It is the first USDA-certified organic meal kit company. They send uh, clean ingredients that you can trust that are in season. They're pre-measured, perfectly portioned, mostly prepped. You don't have to spend a lot of time doing it. Try it out. Go to greenchef.com slash 90 burbigs, the number 90. Use the code number 90 Bigs to get 90 bucks off, including free shipping.
That's greenchef.com slash 90 for bigs. And now, back to the show. Can I run some jokes from the for the pizza party by you? Yeah. Okay. Pizza is so good that in the restaurant universe, it gets its own category. <laughs> like, you guys want to order Thai? You, you guys want to order Chinese? You guys want to order pizza? It's a country of food. <laughs> I feel like someday I want to purchase an island and write up a constitution, and that will be the People's Republic of Pizza. <laughs> and... The Constitution will be like Article 1, Section 1, all pizza will be consumed on the day it was cooked. <laughs> the remaining pizza will be shot out of a cannon onto a neighboring pizza island called Leftovers. <laughs> Article 2, most meals in pizza will be pizza, but occasionally residents may visit the neighboring island of Chinese, which has no relation to the People's Republic of China, but does serve Chinese food, the kind of Chinese food they sell at the mall. <laughs> Article 3, you do not have to read this constitution. <laughs> Article 4, no pineapples. Article 5, there shall be no statues except uh, one of Mike Birbiglia doing the Italian stereotype chef's kiss <laughs> pose. And when you press the, uh, the butt on the statue, there shall be a talking device with Mike's voice saying, I'm gonna get a pizza for everybody. <laughs> So that's a joke called the People's Republic of Pizza. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It takes you away. It takes you away to a different place. <laughs> it's so stupid. I want, you know, my goal is after I do the uh, my show, The Old Man in the Pool, I actually want to do a full show, a full special about pizza. Yeah. I, I, think all, you I want all pizza jokes. I want to go back to my childhood pizza restaurants. Like, I'm all about it. I get made fun of a lot because I eat pizza in a way that I don't think is not really well received, but actually should be instated. Okay. I eat the crust first to get it over with. Oh, my gosh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There will be a five-minute intermission. <laughs> you eat the crust first. What kind of monster are you? <laughs> you shall be ostracized. <laughs> come on, let me back in. Let me back in the Republic. We are expelling you <laughs> no, from no, the no. People's Republic of Pizza. No, no, come on, come on. I'm, getting, I'm putting that in the Constitution. <laughs> no, come on, let me back in. I'm, no, I'm okay, not a threat. Okay, I'm not okay. a threat. I swear. Okay. Listen, I just... I'm not a threat. <laughs> okay, crust is, number one, bad. We know that. Right. We know that. Right. Unless they give you some kind of Papa John's dipping sauce... You're not, right. there's no point in eating it. Right. That's no, why you, I get have, it. you have to eat it first. It's the punishment. You have to pay the price. That is shocking. You want to cross says, the bridge, this is you one of the more the vulnerable. This is one of the more vulnerable jokes that either you <laughs> or I have ever written because it is, it is revealing something so profound <laughs> also, that you need to be punished to eat pizza. You just have to suffer through the, the bread and the, to get. And and I know, I know, I know, a lot of people don't like this. They have this new thing they've been advertising on television that's just a pizza bowl. That's just cheese and, and, and sauce. The wow. pizza should be as wet as possible. And any kind of dryness needs to be gotten over with as fast as possible. That's why, oh actually, pizza should be cut in squares. Oh, my God. And you are, <laughs> and that's wrong, too. Everything I want you're square, saying, Joe, is wrong. Square pizza. I'm going to. 
when this episode comes out, I'm going to create an online persona who hates you <laughs> and hates all of your opinions about pizza. I'm coming after you on Reddit. I'm coming after you on Twitter. No, Be come prepared. On. Come on. It's cool. It's cool. A lot of people see eye to eye with me. You want a sweet crust. I mean, a sweet sauce. And then you want as little crust as possible. I find this line of discussion to be so deeply offensive. And do you know what actually is good? To everything that I've worked for and believed in all my life. And a lot of people shit on it, but actually as good as Pizza Hut. Because it's got a buttered crust. You understand? (sighs) Joe, everything that you say... Everything you're saying about pizza is like so antithetical. I'm actually not wrong. I'm actually not (laughs) wrong. People say, oh, I want like a crispy crust. I want thin crust. You want as much, a a thicker crust if possible. Deep dish is great. But you basically, oh my God, I just had to remember. I mean, memory. Okay, so I was, I. No, it's, it's also known as a remember. I got to go. Okay, so, so so I remember in kindergarten, in kindergarten. Uh, Joe, to the listeners at home, Joe Firestone just had a remember. So go ahead with your remember. I I can't believe I'm on here. Okay, so listen, I uh I was I was in kindergarten and I remember this guy Jeff, uh he invited me over for pizza at his house. Okay? Okay. So I go over to pizza at his house and I start to eat the pizza, and Jeff, another kindergartner, he goes, at our house, we eat it with a fork and knife. Oh, And yes. I, I got really upset because I thought, what? Yes, oh. that is upsetting. And then he said, I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. He punked me. It pranked, he punked, punked you. Me. Wow. I remember thinking, this is bad. But I, I never really got into that. I love eating it with my hands. But yes, I, me too. And I do find that when you do eat crust first, for those who are open-minded and, and, you know, what you need to do, you eat the crust first and then you need to hold it, um, you know, like a Fabergé egg, right? You to hold it with the bottom so you don't get okay. messy. Okay. Right? And then you eat it. I mean, almost the best bite, and you know this is true, the best bite of the pizza is the tip, right? I, I believe that's true. Yeah, so why well, not? There, well, there we have common ground. Yeah, exactly. So you're not, you know, you're you're trying... So hard to savor that tip. Why is it that the tip is so good in pizza? It's like, it's like. It's perfect. And you know. It's, it's, okay, so it's triangle for starters. Yeah. Which is nice. And so. Sometimes. Sometimes it's square. Think about that. Sometimes it's square, but generally, generally it's a triangle, but like, okay, so. Let's compare it to an, a bite of something else. If you eat a bite of a sandwich, mm-hmm. you're essentially eating a mouthful of what what that sandwich yeah. is. But if you're eating like a tip of pizza, you're actually not eating a mouthful of pizza. You're eating a triangle of a mouthful of pizza. So it's like a fraction of a yeah. mouthful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that factors in to why the experience is so good. I also think, what are we doing with the, why are we eating it with the crust facing our tongue? Should be flipped the other way around. What, can you say that again? I think you should put the cheese face down on your tongue. Why are we lifting it up? You don't, do you understand? We're doing it so wrong. The, so the, so, 
flip the pizza over and eat the slice upside down? Yeah. But then what holds it up? Because you're holding it, then you'd have to touch the cheese. (laughs) Did I just dispel your theory with one slight criticism? But tell me that's not a good idea. Tell me that's not a good idea. Flip no, I think around. that's a good idea. I think I think that you're onto something with a restaurant called a pizza restaurant called Pizza Tips. I'm into it. And it's and it's all the the tips of pizzas. You're just eating that first bite of pizza over and over again. I got to tell you may, something. Maybe you're getting maybe I'm getting greedy no, with that no, idea. You're not getting greedy. You're you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> Can I I'll throw a couple, two more pizza jokes by you and then we'll see if you have any jokes lined up okay um for me um i have a personal issue with chicken parmesan Mm. because i feel like they stole pizza's recipe and and placed it on a chicken they're like hey chicken get over here we're gonna dress you up in a pizza i mean and then the gall and then the gall of these pizzerias some of them to sell chicken parmesan pizza it's like robbing a bank and then showing up the next day and saying i'd like to open an account okay so listen you're i mean with this joke you're saying that sauce and cheese copyrighted yeah i i feel that way yeah i mean i understand what you're saying with that one i understand i think you're gonna i think people are gonna be pissed at that one. Oh, you think that's gonna be controversial yeah okay I understand what you're saying. So then I have a, I love brick oven. I love brick oven pizza. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Hold on. You're not going to hear the joke. Okay. I mean, yeah, I guess already the premise I'm, I'm not listening, love, but okay. You love brick I oven. Love, mm-hmm. I love brick oven pizza. Maybe I just love the taste of brick. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's that mixture of clay and water that just works. Or maybe you could bake three perfect ingredients on anything and it would work. You could do pavement pizza. You know, we cook it on a dirty pavement. Sometimes there's dog urine in the pavement, and it actually adds a nice kick. Some people prefer it. I got to tell you this. I, I got to tell you this, because uh, this that joke reminded me. So I used to work at a pizza place called Racanelli's. Oh, really? hmm Oh, this is huge. And, um... I I would take the orders and then I would also make like the chicken wings, calzones, that kind of thing. I never made the pizzas. Okay. Okay. But what it was called the um, uh, this uh, food with a New York attitude, I think was the slogan. Basically, it was okay. New York style pizza, and it okay. was that we were. Uh, it was like kind of like you're supposed to be kind of sla- slappy or um sna- um slappy. Uh, what is the word I'm? <laughs> Sassy? Sassy, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, thank yeah. You. Okay, like so, Ed DeBevick's in Chicago or something. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So sure. Sometimes when we would uh, deliver pizzas, if the people didn't tip, um, you would write a note in their because in their account just being like this, like someone would write a note. Whoever delivered the pizza would write a note being like this cunt didn't. Oh my tip. god. Okay. Oh my god. But the, the way the computer system worked is that it printed out all the information on the ticket. And so that would show up on the ticket that we taped to the pizza box. So then 
whenever I would print out, I'd take the orders, I'd print out the receipts, and then it would just say these like nasty things about these people. Like this, like this asshole is full of shit. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this bitch doesn't deserve any pizza. Like these things, oh my God. nasty things. And uh, the people, the, the assholes and the bitches would get the ticket that said that yeah. and it would be on their pizza. That's was it was standard to tape the the order onto the pizza so people knew what what it was. Did you ever hear back from a customer who's like, "Hey, I don't know if you meant to say this, but uh... No, I never heard back from any of them. I think they were scared of our New York attitude. <laughs> Stepping away from my conversation with Joe Firestone to send a shout out to our old friends, Sam Adams. They were our first sponsor and they're doing an amazing thing. Uh, Obviously, so many industries devastated by COVID-19 closures, but perhaps none as severely as the restaurant industry. So Sam Adams teamed up with the nonprofit Greg Hill Foundation. They created the Restaurant Strong Fund to support restaurant workers. Sam Adams has launched this fund to support these workers and kickstarted fundraising efforts across the country, but they need your help. The restaurant community is struggling, and you can help them by donating to the Restaurant Strong Fund at samueladams.com. As of the first week in April, the fund has raised more than $7 million, awarded almost 8,000 grants to restaurants and their employees to donate to the Restaurant Strong Fund in support of these restaurant industry workers please visit samueladams.com. And now, back to the show. Do you have any bits that you're working on that you want to run by me? Well, yeah, I was working on this one. Okay, so basically, I was thinking about, so I was 27 when I found out the stereotype, Jewish girls don't give blowjobs. Oh, Okay, so that's a decade of blowjobs I could have gotten out of <laughs> due to stereotypes. <laughs> that's a good. That's so I was just trying it. to figure out, like, if you just keep going, it's like, why isn't there any communication between, you know, or like they should say this in temple, you know, just like a little. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Uh, just something. You have it's to so be aware. It's so funny because I think about that all the time with, you know, different, you know, people sometimes. Comics who are Jewish tell jokes about being Jewish, or people who are Italian tell jokes about being Italian, etc. Mm-hmm. And I always think about like, like which of those jokes feel like inside baseball of being Jewish or Italian, etc. Mm-hmm. And which ones don't? Which ones feel inclusive? And I feel like yours feels inclusive because I feel like we're immediately on board with what the premise is, and then everything after that is sort of gravy. Well, I just, I mean, it is this kind of thing where, like, I feel like there are, like, there's, like, well-known stereotypes, but then there's also, like, little-known stereotypes. That, <laughs> yes, that's true. How do you find out about these ones? You know, like, are there— Yeah, because I didn't know, I didn't even know the one that you just said, so I was like, huh, I guess I've never heard that. I never came across I, it, that. I was told by a, another Jewish woman that they're like, we don't get blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea of your, I like the idea of you building out, um— that like in some ways that's a great incentive to go to temple. Like if they told me like, hey, 
We noticed, Joe Firestone, you weren't coming to Temple. Well, here's <laughs> something you should know about the new shoot, uh, the, 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 new, the new Temple. We give you tips on uh, blowjobs, <laughs> for example. We point out that you maybe are giving too many blowjobs. Yeah. And no more. And you, actually, you're off yeah. the hook from now on. It's, it's actually awesome what you've really, yeah. it's a gift we've given you. Yeah. So maybe it'd be like something like, um, and I told this to my boyfriend, and um, and now he's been saying a lot of anti-Semitic slurs <laughs> lately. And I don't know why, because he used to be so open to my religion and culture, and yeah. now, now he's, he's really closed off. Yeah. And it's, I find it very hurtful. Yeah, now now he's a hundred percent hateful. Interesting. <laughs> oh my god! Interesting. Uh, um, do you have any other jokes you're working on? I just remembered I had one other thing, and yeah. I don't know if this is real, this is connect as connecting at all. But, but so I've been having these um, like anxiety, like uh, heightened anxiety attacks or whatever. And so basically, what I try to do is just like think about like I'm just uh, like I like if I wash my hands, I'll be like I am touching water. Now I am holding the soap. Now mm. I'm like washing the soap off and now I'm touching the towel and just mm -hmm. kind of like narrating what I'm doing is like so boring. But then yeah, I, so like basically I just like, I'm trying to focus on that. And then I looked, accidentally looked in the mirror and it was so bad. Have you ever oh. seen yourself during a moment of pure anxiety? Oh my gosh, that's a good point. No, no, I don't think I, 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 I or I, if I, do, if I did, I don't remember. It is. See, you see death. You see the death. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It is. It is so dark. It really is like you just see what your, um, what you will look like in death. I try to avoid the mirror generally. <laughs> I always find the mirror to be far too big no matter what size it is. Like, even if it's a teeny mirror, I'm like, oh, that's too big. Maybe that's a joke. I think so. I think all mirrors are too big. I yeah, yeah, all mirrors are too big. It's true, it's true. Are you ever, like, look in the mirror and you're like, nice? No. No, you're never no. like that. But yet you keep looking at the mirror. I do, but I rarely, that's why I always end up people going like, hey, you got food on your face because I don't look at the mirror that much. They're like, hey, man, you got cheese on your cheek. I'm like, oh, shit, sorry about that. And then look at the mirror. Yeah, sometimes I get food in my hair and then I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've had the food in the hair, yeah. You know, I'll close on this because, because I know you and your father are a big fan of puns. Mm -hmm. You have a book about puns. Um, I'm a fierce, I'm a fierce advocate of puns when they're done well, mm -hmm. but I understand why people groan when mm -hmm. they're terrible. Mm -hmm. But I have a, I have a pun joke, which is, um, I love pizza so much. I get excited when I see the word plaza. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, you know, and because the word pizza <laughs> is exciting. Like it has 
pizza in it. It's got the two Z's, each have two slices. It's got the A, that's a slice. It's five slices in one word, <laughs> which is a, a little used literary term I invented called Anamata Pizza. <laughs> can you say, can you say it there? You go, and that, my friends, is your personal pun pizza. Oh my God. Get out of this interview. I gotta go. <laughs> it's time for you to go. It's t- I'm sorry, Joe Firestone. It's time for you to leave. <laughs> we end with a segment called Working It Out for a Cause. Mm-hmm. And is there an organization, a nonprofit that you think is doing a great job and we will donate to them and, sh- and link them in the show notes? Yeah, I wanted to donate to uh, Womankind. It's like a, it's an organization based in New York and it's like, to help people uh, who are like survivors of trauma, and it, I, it, they, it's like a help center, and they have like shelters, and they have um, what else do they have? Um, they have like emergency residences, and it's uh, like they have the call centers have they speak twenty different Asian languages. Wow. So it's I think it's primarily for Asian women and uh, like who are in abusive situations, and then they can call and have get help. But it, it's also That's like, fantastic. yeah, there's a lot of, it seems like the domestic abuse is going up with the quarantine. So it seems like a good organization to donate to. That's fantastic. So I'm going to donate to them. I'm going to link to them in the show notes because it sounds like a tremendous organization. And I want to thank you, Joe Firestone, for joining me on Working Out and Working Out Real Jokes. Thank you for having me. And I really, I hope you enjoy your personal pun pizza. And um, <laughs> I expect to see that on the special. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. How about that Joe Firestone? She is a riot. Uh, You can follow her on Instagram at Yo-Yo Firestone. Look out for everything she's doing. She makes short films. She works on TV shows. She makes specials. She's a riot. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what she does next. The producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salomon and Joseph Berbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky, associate producer Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere, Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks, as always, to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music, and of course, my wife, the poet, Jay Hope Stein. Our book, the new one, is it's almost a year old. Our little baby book. Our little baby book is almost a year old. And it's at your local bookstore. As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created this little radio fort made of intricate pillows. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends. Inform your enemies. We're working it out. See you next time, everybody.